You're listening to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast, a podcast for instructional coaches who want a simple plan with simple steps to get started coaching teachers. I'm your host, Nicole, and I'm an elementary teacher turned instructional coach with a little bit of K-12 admin sprinkled in. Tune in for simple tips and strategies for what and how to coach teachers. Being an impactful instructional coach doesn't have to be complicated. Let's make it simple. Hey, hey, coaches. Welcome back to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast. I am so excited about this session today. I have the Allison Peterson here. She is one of my other coaching besties. Allison, this is crazy because I am so excited to have all of my coaching besties like on a podcast with me. Well, it's so cool that you've started your podcast. Yes, I know. And you know, it was Chrissy's idea who was like, you got to start it. You got to start it. I was like, I don't want to. You have one. I can always (laughs) just get on yours. And she was like, no, ma'am, you need to get your own. (laughs) She's amazing. Yes. Yes. So welcome, Allison, to the podcast. I'm super excited for you to be here. Yes. I'm so grateful to be invited and excited about promoting this new podcast with you and getting it up and running. Yes. Yes. It is um, amazing. So we are doing several weeks of interviews of people just talking and chatting about coaching. I did in the beginning when I first started it, um, some of the sessions, you know, just really talking about what coaching is and kind of giving a little bit of, hey, do this, do that. But now I really want to talk to coaches that are in the field, coaches that are working, some of the gurus, you know, a little bit of all of that. And of course, tell everyone about your magnificent session that will be live at the Simply Coaching Summit this year. Yes, I love the Simply Coaching Summit. I have been a part of it almost since the very beginning. Yes. Not quite the very first time you did it, but that first reset in that December, I went back and looked at that old session that I had done actually and realized that it's a lot of the content, a lot of the ideas that I was bringing in that very first time I had a chance to speak at the summit is really all about how to build relationships with resistant teachers. And so the topic is really relevant and it really has become something that I feel like I've been able to grow my understanding of in over Mm -hmm. these years and now kind of bring a new perspective to the new summit. And that's the name of the session, how to build relationships specifically with resistant teachers. Yes, I've always learned so much about resistant teachers and that they're not always just resistant to just be resistant, right? They all have like some type of underlying reason why they are so hesitant to work with coaches. And I just always love that we get the opportunity to sometimes kind of figure out that puzzle, right? Kind of like put the pieces together. So before we start jumping into this content, of course, I would love for you to share with the listeners a little bit about your journey to coaching, why you became a coach, how it all how it all started for you? Yeah, from the beginning. That's awesome. Well, I was a classroom teacher, seventh and eighth grade English, and I loved my classroom. I loved my students. I just felt so fulfilled in the work and really felt like God had called me to it. But at the same time, I found myself really loving to connect with other teachers. And I would try something new in my classroom and then I would 
go across the hall and I would tell my partner teacher about this new idea. And then she would be like, okay, Allison, if you say we should, like she was not, (laughs) she was not coming up and generating ideas too. She was just like going along with the ideas. And then I went to a PD and I, that PD was so powerful for me and I wanted to bring it back to our school. Mm -hmm. And so I hosted this PD at our school. And then these teachers were like trying this new PD and I didn't know it then, but I was coaching. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They were, I had already done the PD. They were learning it. I was using it in my classroom. I was coaching them on how they would implement this in their own classroom. So I found myself so quickly in my career with one foot out the door, helping teachers. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know at the time what it was. I didn't know that there was a word for this thing, coaching. And then, so I started to like desire the opportunity to do this thing full-time, kind of figured out that it was called coaching, but really I went the ed tech route first. And so got an opportunity to move to another school and Mm -hmm. be an ed tech, educational technology specialist, basically, but it was a coaching position and it's Mm -hmm. where I learned all the things about coaching. So it started with me just sharing as a teacher, moved into that role. And then at that school, the headmaster came to me a few years in and said, Hey, I want you to start an instructional coaching program. And I was like, this isn't that different from what I've been doing, but diving into what instructional coaching is, was like giving language to the thing that I'd been doing for all of these years that I didn't even know what it was called. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm literally, I'm about to finish my ninth year out of the classroom as an instructional coach. And in that process, I've launched three instructional coaching programs at three different schools Sometimes that means it's just me. And sometimes that means I have a team and I'm leading a team. And so I got to be a coach of coaches early on in the process as well. And then through that, one of my moves, I moved out of state, new town, new everything in my life. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I'm starting a new job. I need to connect with my people online. I've always found a professional learning community online. And in that process, I was like, I got to start a place where we can connect with new coaches and I can just talk to other coaches. And that's when I started the new to coaching Facebook group. And now it's been over three years that I've had that. And it has been an amazing place for me to connect with coaches and for me to feel like I get to hear what they have going on. And in the process, because I've been through this a little bit, I can say, Hey, this is something you might try. Hey, this is what I did. Do you want to try this model? And so through that, in the new to coaching group, I've been able to teach some of the things that I've learned along the way. And I have been so blessed. And I now, we have over 7,500 members in there and we we have members coming in every day to the new to coaching group on Facebook. And they are saying they haven't even gotten hired yet. They're just yep. excited about excited. the potential of becoming yes. coaches. And yes. I'm like, oh, come in, come in and join yes. us because I can help you. <laughs> you can get started on, you don't know the beauty of this work yet. And I cannot mm-hmm. wait to open this door and show you what is on the other side of this amazing, powerful work we get to do. So I get clearly very excited about it. And it's all because <laughs> of my own journey of just discovering what coaching was through doing it. And now I can't believe I'm almost at 10 years out of the classroom as a coach. It's just so powerful to hear your excitement for the role because I know exactly how you feel and especially how we get to share a lot of our experiences and things that we've did with other coaches and especially new coaches. So new coaches coming into the game, they don't have to suffer like we did. <laughs> at least I tell, we can help them. <laughs> I tell them, I say, it's kind of just like how I've taught my children. So I know you have little ones, but I have older ones, right? And so many of them are, well, four of them are grown now, like above 18. 
And so I tell them, hey, listen, I've already been down that road and I've already paved the road for you, right? So I've took all the bumps and the bruises and the craziness and trying to figure it out and all of that. And so that gives you the opportunity to just jump on your bike and just ride down a smooth path. And you don't really have to deal with some of those things. And so we get to actually provide that smooth path or that smooth road for some of the new coaches coming in. And so I'm super excited and passionate about the work that you are doing and being out there to help those coaches out that are that are starting. So that's I know. Right. It's just thrilling. I might have such a heart for the new coach who's just getting started because she is going to hit the roadblocks of resistance. Like, Absolutely. There is no stopping it. They all come into the group and they say, I'm excited and nervous. I'm so excited about my new job, but I'm nervous to start. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you all start excited and nervous. And then that excitement really gets quelched really quickly when they hit the resistance or the roadblock or whatever it is. And it is what you're saying. Like we can help them get those roadblocks out of the way. We can pave the way and we can help them move there faster. And that is like, absolutely. One of my joys. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. All right. So. I have some questions for you. Yes, when you know that coaching is your calling and it is about purpose and passion, it becomes Mm -hmm. an entire different thing. I know now that when I get to wake up and I get to work with coaches and I get to meet coaches and not just coaching teachers, but now being a coach of coaches, I mean, it is wonderful. Like I do not, how do I say? It, It was, it's a different feeling from being in a classroom for me. I love to be in the classroom, right? And I and I love to teach. I think that I just found my purpose and passion in teaching adults versus teaching children. Now, I can go in the classroom, baby, and get it together. Let's not sure. say that. <laughs> I think we all can, right? But I think yeah. that learning that purpose and that passion, what it is that you lie. So any new coach that's listening to us, we have been where you are. And when we found like something clicked, when you have that purpose and passion for coaching. And I don't want people to feel guilty about feeling more comfortable with working with adults than they do with kids, even though we're teachers. Because I know that sometimes that was my thing. And I don't know if that was your thing, Allison, but for me, I was always like, well, why do I feel better working with the adults than I do with the kids? Like, that's not how I'm supposed to be. I'm a teacher. I'm a teacher, but I realized that sure. I'm a teacher to, I'm still a teacher. I'm just teaching adults, right? And just yeah. in a different kind of way. So I don't want you guys to feel yeah. any type of way about that. Well, and I, I also see the opposite from a lot of members who just start the job thinking they're going to love this and they miss the kids desperately. Oh, yeah. And like, I've seen some okay, of those like I also don't want you to feel guilty about deciding that, hey, this, you really miss the kids desperately. But the reason that we encourage you to keep going, even if you are having that desperate missing of the kids, is because this is deeper work. And I don't want to ever undermine the work of a teacher in a child's heart is so powerful. But Mm -hmm. when you are working with adults, you're working with them on a, a very deep level of personal change. And sometimes you're kind of coming into some things from their past or from their life and you're helping them work through life. Yes. And that, and of course you're helping them work through instruction, but because you can't leave life to the side of the Mm -hmm. professional work, this is deeper work. And so that's also why it's harder to do. And it's also Mm -hmm. harder. The resistance comes up because it's very personal. 
And so it's all the things that are like wrapped up into the goodness of it is also why it's hard. So if you find yourself feeling like it's so much easier, I want to go back to the kids. That's true, you know, but it's because this is deep and people's hearts are entangled in a lot of things. And so when you start asking them to change the professional way, we're not just asking for professional change. It's actually Mm -hmm. personal change too. And that becomes like deep work really fast. Absolutely. (laughs) I I know a lot of times, especially when we work with students, right? We talk with teachers about making sure that they understand or being conscious of the trauma that students may go through. And especially when I, so I've worked in a lot of Title I schools, right? A lot of inner city schools where a lot of my students had, they were, you know, poor, they had socioeconomic issues. They had, you know, parents that were not necessarily supportive all the time or even present, right? And so those students had a lot of trauma. And it's amazing how we as adults, we tell the adults to be conscious about the student's trauma, but we as adults are not cautious about the adult trauma. And I say that because it's funny that when I was doing PLCs, I was doing a PLC at one time and I always did this thing called good things, right? Where I made sure that we started every PLC with talking about something positive that was going on in our personal life and our professional life. And when I was doing that, I realized that it started to change the climate and culture of PLCs. But the major thing was that I had a teacher who would who came in. It was eight o'clock in the morning, Allison, like literally 7.50. Like, what are you ticked off about at seven? Like you literally just got to work. But yeah. she was mad because her husband was supposed to take the dog out and her husband, the dog pooped. And before she left, she had to clean up the poop and take the dog out. And it was all of this happening that morning. So by the time she got to work, she had dealt with a lot and she was still upset with her husband, but she was mad. Like, really? And that was probably a snowball. Exactly. Like that was a snowball of all these other events with her husband too, that then came down to that he didn't take out Exactly. And so when (laughs) she came to PLC, she wasn't necessarily being resistant, right? She was really ticked off about something else. And so once we acknowledge that good things allowed us to acknowledge what was happening, let her get that off her chest a little bit. And we were able to kind of move through um, what it is that we were, you know, what we were talking about and move through that. So sometimes as a coach, you have to realize that adults, our teachers still kind of have a little bit of that trauma or resistance. And we just have to get to the root cause of that. And so that kind of leads me to my question for you. Yes, well, absolutely. That's so true. So (laughs) So much truth there. What's really going on with resistance, right? What is really happening? Right. Hey, hey, coaches. I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling to get coaching cycles completed? Are you still trying to figure out what to coach? Are you confused about how to coach teachers? If you raised your hand and said yes to any of these questions, I want to invite you to join me and more than 100 instructional coaches inside the Simply Coaching Hub. The Simply Coaching Hub is a professional development, resource, and community hub that will provide you with practical, relatable, and actionable professional development for new and seasoned instructional coaches. The hub is specifically for instructional coaches created by me and instructional coach. 
In The Hub, we focus on providing specific pathways that meet you where you are in your coaching journey. Differentiation is important when we work with students and even when we coach teachers. Shouldn't it be important when it comes to your growth as a coach too? Absolutely, and that's why when you join The Hub, you will be prescribed a coaching pathway that will address your specific needs. The Hub also provides a simple framework for you to implement right away. It's time you start coaching with confidence. And most importantly, The Hub is a community. With over 100 instructional coaches from all over the world, you will connect with someone who can support you through any situation you may be dealing with. And the best part is you have a coach walking side by side to support you in your journey. It's time to elevate your instructional coaching with the Simply Coaching Hub. Check out www.simplycoachinghub.com to learn more. I will see you in the hub. Well, I think your story completely illustrated it. And the idea of resistance, when you really think about it, I think, and I know at at first when I started this role, I thought it was personally attacking me, right? Because, Mm -hmm. because I was the one who was getting the brunt of the um, negativity and it was coming at me. And so I thought it was a personal attack on me. And I think that's a very natural thing to think, but really there is something going on behind the curtain. And like Michael Punky Sanders says in his book, he says that whatever the problem is that they bring you first isn't the real problem. And so like, you're right. always needing to look deeper for what the real problem is. Like you said in your story, I just think that illustrated it so beautifully, but what's really going on behind the scenes is that in some way, shape or form, these teachers are being asked to change by the work we're doing. Our job is to not keep the status quo. It is mm-hmm. to move teachers forward in, in some way with some initiative or some project It is so that they cannot stay still. They must move and they must grow. And we, our job is to help them grow. And so therefore, no matter what we're doing, we're asking them to change. Mm -hmm. And so the resistance to change that happens in the brain, like in brain science is that they will either fight or flight or sometimes um, freeze, fight, flight, or freeze are the three that is kind of in the brain science of what happens with change. And so you see those different things happening from teachers and how they respond is they will fight back. They will Mm -hmm. avoid you at all costs, or they will just not change and freeze and just go back to the way they've always done it because that's comfortable and safe. And so their need for comfort and safety actually comes from a deeper subconscious place of the way that our brain works. And so it's just really important to have a deep understanding of change as like the first thing you need as you walk into being a new coach or starting coaching or facing resistance He's like, you've got to understand what's really going on behind the scenes. And 99% of it is not necessarily a personal attack on you, but you are going to get the brunt of it. And um, I've been reading the book Switch um, Mm -hmm. with the Breakthrough Circle, which is my group coaching group. And we've been reading this book and it is unbelievable. I mean, I read it my first year as a coach and it was so powerful, but one of the, the first chapter goes into three surprises about change. And it says that the first surprise is that um, a people problem is actually sometimes a situation problem. And so it explains that with stories. And so you never really, you sometimes are assuming it's the person, but maybe if we change the situation, what would happen? 
The second one they talk about is that laziness is actually, or what appears to be laziness is actually just exhaustion because you're having to change so much at a, at one time. You don't have the capacity to do one more thing. Yeah. And then the third thing they talk about in the, just the first chapter is if you see resistance, it's often because there's a lack of clarity. And so like when you start seeing yes. these things with a new perspective of realizing yes. what's really going on behind the change, yep. you stop taking it personally and start realizing there's something deeper here. Let's yep. go further with that. Yep, exactly. And and what really hit me is that when you were saying like there's a lack of clarity because what I have experienced is that we have a lot of teachers who have had experiences with previous coaches that has been negative or hasn't been a very positive experience. And so their wall is already up before you even began to come in and start coaching. And so that's why I always have teachers uh, or coaches to start off with cupcakes with coach. You know, that's my whole little themey thing that I love to talk about, but I love them to sit down and have that conversation and just kind of get a sense of what's, happening? What is, what does the building feel about coaching? Like, how do they feel about it? And then if you have your one-on-ones, one of the conversations I definitely have is tell me your experience of coaching. What do you think coaching is? And how do you think that coaching should go? You know, like, so that you get their vision of what it is their coaching is. And then you share your vision of what coaching is. And you guys together kind of come up with that. I, I tell people so much to set the vision you know, with your principal, but you also have to do that when you introduce your role, right? You have to set that vision and come to that agreement together. And I think that that allows you to be able to navigate, like you said, like the resistant teacher has resistance for a reason, right? And we just have to put that, like I said earlier, put that puzzle together to kind of see where it is they they are. Yes, I think that's so, so true. And um, And so much of the vision casting work is repeating yourself, They don't hear it clearly the first time, the second time, the 10th time. Mm -hmm. You have to sit across from them continually and say, you know, as a coach, I just want to come to you in this situation and help. I had ran into this the other day where I had a a teacher who was talking about curriculum and I was like, I need to make sure that, you know, I'm coming into this as a coach. And then that means I'm not, you know, I'm not the authority in this, but I think if we use the curriculum, it'll be really helpful. So let me help you. So I'm not mm-hmm. trying to come in and be the authority top down curriculum police. Exactly. I promise you I'm not, but I may have felt like that when it came across. So let me adjust and make sure, you know, that's not where I'm coming from. I'm coming from this curriculum is here. Let me help you use it to the best of its, you know, to the fullest, but I don't want to come across as the curriculum police. So I kind of right. had to reset my role in that and be mm-hmm. real clear about it. So having that ability to verbalize that yourself is a place where you can continually step back into helping people have clarity around what your role is because you get close to admin so much and the line is very gray. And even when you try so hard to make it black and white, they perceive you as admin too often. And whenever you're getting perceived as admin, you're probably going to get resistance. So you have to be careful of that by clarifying, clarify your role, clarify your role, clarify your role. Yep, exactly. All right, so here's another question. How should a coach respond to resistance? So responding to resistance, one of the things, I mean, it's just, it's hard, but I think the first way to respond is with empathy. You were talking about the idea of the trauma child. 
And I think we have a lot of empathy for that child, but we don't always have a lot of empathy for adults because we feel like they should know better. Yep. And we knew better and we did better and we were really good as teachers. And anyway, so there's just a little bit of that in us. And what we have to do is really start from a place of empathy and not from a place of defensiveness. So that's kind of the first thing. And then one of the other things that really I just repeat in my head, I repeat in my head over and over again is James, which is Jesus's brother, says in his book, in the book of James, that you should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And whenever you have a resistant teacher bringing you what they consider to be a problem or a complaint, or they're talking about these different things, how can we sit back and be quick to listen, quick to take notes and think about all the things they're saying, but slow to speak, slow to be defensive and slow to be personally angry because it's not a personal attack. Um, And I struggle with this a little bit this year. I had some teachers come to us with some questions about curriculum. I don't think I did enough quick to listen, slow to speak. I think it was easy to get defensive and try to defend. Mm -hmm. And I was, I had to catch myself and be sure that I wasn't stepping into something that sounded defensive and instead I was listening and don't become angry. It just kind of becomes a mantra. And once you show them that you are willing to listen to them, you will start to earn trust. Now it takes time to earn this trust, but once you show them that you are not going to defensively respond, they'll Mm -hmm. open up more to telling you more things to to um, talking to you more about it. They may not necessarily change right away, but Mm -hmm. the trust comes from you responding to them with empathy and without trying to defend and tell them they're wrong, really. Exactly. This reminds me of a thing that I used to tell the kids when they were little. You have two ears and one mouth because you need to listen more than you speak. (laughs) Yes, so true. The two ears, one mouth is awesome. Yes, the two ears. But I used to tell the kids that all the time. So you know how when you're talking to your children, they always have a reason, a defense. They They know more than you, even though you've been here quite a long time on this earth. But they do know more than you. And I always have to tell them, you have two ears and one mouth. You need to listen more than you speak. And I think that is exactly what you're saying um, when you sit with your coaches that, I mean, when you sit with your teachers that you need to really listen in on what it is that they're saying, digest it and know that it's not personal. I love that perspective because none of this is personal. At the end of the day, we're all doing this for the best of the children. And that's what we have to realize that we are working towards the improvement of our students, but also we're building that toolkit for our teachers as well. Yes, absolutely. I just want to say too, it's not easy to do that when someone is resisting. It's easy to be frustrated. So it really takes a lot of mind shifting for you to shift over to two ears, one mouth, because yeah. <laughs> because it's a lot easier to write them off, get defensive and be angry at the way that they said something. And so we have to be able to come into, and I think that's coming into relationship is saying, I'm willing to sit here and listen to what you have to say. I may not agree, but I am willing mm-hmm. to listen. And I hope that we can come to a place where we can do something together. Yes. And I think that I think that as you start to build the relationship, the trust starts to build as well. And so yes. the resistant teacher starts to become 
a little unresistant, right? And it starts to start to flow and it takes time because if a teacher has been burned, I, I talk with Dr. Kim Richardson about this. If a teacher has been burned by a previous coach, baby, it's going to take a lot more building of that trust than if it was just a new teacher or a teacher who has never had a coach before. And so you have to realize and recognize what it is that you're working with, right? Before you start feeling like it's a personal, you know, vendetta against you. Yes. So important. All right. So as we wrap up, this was so much good information that I know that your session at the summit is going to be super powerful. And you are presenting on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Yes, I'm so excited. I love going live. Please yes. come be live with me. I love your live energy. Come, come. <laughs> yes, it is going to be super live this year. I loved your session last year where it was a live session. It was so many people there. It was so interactive. And I know that they had a, a, a takeaway, like they did a whole activity and stuff like that. So I know that it's going to be super engaging. Before we go or we end our podcast, can you just give three tips or three takeaways from your experience as a coach of coaches, just to some of the coaches that either new coaches, struggling coaches, or even a coach who's been coaching for 10 or 15 years, you know, what are some tips or some things from your experience that you can share? Yes, absolutely. I think this conversation is a really core piece of what I would remind coaches about. Because like I was mentioning before, this is my ninth year as a coach, and I still need reminders on how to come into this work And so what you just said is probably one of my biggest things to remind teachers and coaches of is that this is the long game, especially Mm -hmm. with resistant teachers. You cannot expect that to turn around quickly. It Mm -hmm. is going to take trust earning, trust building, and a lot of relationship building before that teacher is really ready to turn. And it has to be her choice. So that would be the second thing that I would recommend or say to coaches is like, Hey, you can only control what you can control. And I think sometimes we think because our job is to help them change and we're supposed to help them that we think that we should be able to control whether or not they change. Friend, Mm -hmm. that is their choice. And there are structures in place in administration above you to be the ones who are putting accountability in place. So you can only control what you can control. If you're going to work from the middle in the coaching role, you have to realize you can't control whether or not they choose to change. Can you sit with them? Can you encourage them? Can you continue to you know, try? Of course, but it's a long game and you can't get so caught up in it. So one of the phrases that I use for that is that progress is the win. So if change is the goal, progress is the win. And so just know that sometimes the small wins with this resistant teacher or with any teacher can really help you realize like, okay, she's not changed today, but we had a great interaction. We had a a touch point. We made progress relationally and I'll go with that. I will take that. And then the last thing in regards to all this is that to help you not get stuck in this roadblock of resistant teachers, I really teach the idea of going and looking for the runner teachers who are willing and ready to work with you and who are like excited and over the moon to have you walk down the hall. Those are the teachers who are going to give you fuel in your tank to keep going. 
They're the ones who you're going to be able to circle back to and say, Hey, uh, how's your day? Tell me what's going on. And they're going to be excited to see you. And so Mm -hmm. if you feel like you're having the energy sucked out of you by a resistant teacher, I just so encourage you go and find a runner teacher. This is going to be like one of the teachers in the building who you feel like, Oh, she doesn't need any help. She's so great. No, no, Mm -hmm. she doesn't necessarily need help, but she wants a thinking partner and somebody to dream big with and somebody to do big ideas with. And guess what? That gets to be you. So just don't allow yourself to feel like you have to stay in this land of only resistant teachers when you have amazing teachers out there who you could be a true coach for, the one who can help be a partner and a brainstormer. Um, And that's how I've made it through. I would say that my the first thing I figured out was this, if I could find the one teacher who was willing to work with me, then I could really feel like I was doing my work. So Go find your runners. That's my other takeaway for you. Oh, that is some great and awesome perspectives and some things to take away. And I hope you guys really got a lot about resistant teachers and how you can start to really build those relationships. But make sure that you see us and Allison, especially on day one of the Simply Coaching Summit 2023. Allison, this is our fifth year. You know, it's my birthday. I was just going to say it's been five years, I think. Yeah. Yes. Is that not crazy? So exciting. It's yes. amazing. I'm it so is definitely amazing. Oh, man. We are blessed to have you here as one of the OGs, as I call them, or my, my special coaching bestie group. I don't know if everyone knows about the in-person boot camp. So we do have the summit, yes. which is virtual. And it will always be virtual because we are never doing that in person. Uh, <laughs> that's going to be a whole <laughs> lot. But we did come together. So Chrissy Beltran, Casey Watts, Allison, and myself, we are all coming together to do a strategy boot camp. It's all about coaching strategy, two full days. And then there will actually be an hour with um, Jim Knight and Steve Barclay, where we call in those the legends of coaching hour, where you guys will be able to interact. It will be taking place in Indianapolis, Indiana. And Fishers, Indiana was right outside of Indianapolis. If you need to travel or catch a plane, you'll come into the Indianapolis International Airport. But it's going to be awesome. That is July 20th and 21st. We actually will be the first time I get to meet Allison in person. That's yes. crazy. We've been we've been coaching besties for five years, but I get to actually meet her in the physical and give her a hug. It's going to be so awesome. Yes, we're so excited that opening back up that in-person world is so, so powerful. So I love virtual and I there's so much power in it, but seeing you in person and seeing it, people in person and getting to really talk to them and, and really go deep with them, that is that is the work. I'm so excited. So I'm really looking forward to that in-person boot camp at the end of July. Yes, I am too. And it's going to be awesome. So grab your tickets. If you decide to grab a ticket to the in-person boot camp, know that the Simply Coaching Summit comes with that. So you don't have to feel like you're torn or you have to do both. Come join us in person. You automatically get a ticket to the summit and it is going to be awesome. All right, Allison. Well, thank you so much for being a part again of the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast. We are so blessed to have you here as a part of it all. And guys, we will see you in the next episode. Happy coaching, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Simply Instructional Coaching Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with other coaches and teacher leaders, post about it on social media, 
and leave a rating or review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at simplycoachingandteaching underscore and on Twitter at coachandteach. Thanks again, and I'll see you in the next episode. Happy coaching.